They would have had to recreate the paintings. Your hay's getting longer. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ex- like extend it out. So like this time next year, it's gonna be like a thirty minute hay. Yeah, Is it, and then we'll just do like a little bit at the end, and that'll be it. Well, it'll be hey maniacs, bye maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people will listen to that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think they will. Mystery maniacs <laughs> is a comedy <laughs> recap podcast dedicated to British TV mystery. Each week, we dig into an episode of a show including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week, we're covering Jonathan Creek, episode four, season one, No Trace of Tracy. Who the heck are you? I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. Well. (laughs) We sure do have a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh. More Midsummer is coming. We're going to do a rewind all the way back to July 2022. Okay. And now we're... The mystery maniacs are coming. Yeah. Oh. No. The midsummer maniacs are coming. (laughs) Get used to that slip. Oh my gosh. Because, wow. Yeah. We thought when we went from midsummer maniacs to mystery maniacs, we thought, we're going to, we got to change the name, right? And we should go with something else that starts with an M because it, you know, it makes sense and people kind of follow along. What we didn't think about is how confusing it would be when new midsummers came out and we had to go. Kind of sort of back to being Midsummer. So now we can be Midsummer Mystery Maniacs? No, we're Midsummer Maniacs for <laughs> for, for a, a little while. A, little, a few months. We'll, we'll return to the old theme and everything. Because if you haven't heard. It'll be just like July 2020. Yeah. Because if you haven't heard, <laughs> season 23 of Midsummer Murders will be released in the U.S. next month. And really, uh, next week when yes, this comes out. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So this is what we have planned. Okay, this episode drops, 147 drops on November 28th. Mm -hmm. That's Jonathan Creek, episode three. Yep. Then the next week, we're doing Poirot's Christmas. Yes. We're going to take a week off, but then the Midsummer Minis will be getting. Yes. So We will be doing spoiler-free mini episodes on each of the new Midsummer Murders episodes as they come out. The day after they drop. Yep. So it'll it'll be available on a Monday here in the U.S. and on Tuesday, the spoiler-free mini episode will come out. So if you can hold out for just 24 hours, you can listen to that before you watch it and watch it like a maniac. Yep. The four episodes, The Black Trees Prophecy, The Death of Lies, the grain of truth, a grain of truth, and dress to kill. Now, if you are not in a location where season 23 will be available to you. Okay, let me, let me just say, I agree with the people in the UK. It is insane. That we get it first. That we get the first four episodes of episode, of season 23 before they even get the last two episodes of season 22. That's There's something wrong with that. You, That's not right. You need... To take your TV license and go to ITV and say, we paid for this. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Sweden, they're watching like season 26 or something. Something like I don't that. Know. They're in a- they get it freaky first for some reason. Freaky first. But if you live somewhere where you will not have access to season 23, worry not. Just don't listen to those Just yet. don't listen. There will still be regular episodes of the show coming out in December on non-Midsummer things. We will have... The Poirot Christmas. On the 5th of December. 
Yes, and then we will have what next? The 19th of December, the we'll have viewer's listener's choice. choice. Yeah, listener's choice. They don't view it. No, listener's choice and the Christmas song. Yes. Okay, speaking of Christmas song, because at this late notice, we will now be making eight seven, episodes. Seven the- episodes <laughs> of content because and- we're going to do the midsummer full episodes yeah. starting the 9th of January. Yeah, <laughs> so... Because of season 23 coming out, we will be making basically eight podcast episodes in the time that we would have made four. No, we, we're making eight. We're doing four minis. We're doing a Christmas Oh, we're song. making 12 Pl- in the time that we would have made eight. Plus taking three weeks off. Yeah. In the next 65 days, we are going to provide you over eight hours of content. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, maniacs. We're insane. <laughs> but because of that... We're making a little bit of change to the holiday song. Instead of us coming up with it and recording it, we would like to involve you. Yes. Now, don't panic. We don't expect you to record yourself singing. Nope. Here's what we want you to do. What we'd like you to do is using your favorite well-known holiday song. Like like Jingle Bells. Silent Night. Silent Night. Ding Dong Merrily on High. Yep. (laughs) But change the lyrics to refer to a British murder mystery show that you like. Send us those lyrics. All you've got to do is do like one chorus. You don't have to write the whole song. No. And then we... We'll record a medley of the lyrics that you send us. Mystery Maniacs Podcast at gmail.com. Send them there. Yes. To us. So and if you could put in the subject line like lyrics or Christmas song or something, kind of helps us out with all our huge amount of email. And don't forget to tell us what song your lyrics are set to. Yes. So that we know so what we the tune is supposed to, to be. <laughs> yeah. So for example, so- instead of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. You could have Poirot the Great Detective, had a very shiny mustache, right? Yep. You could do that. Yep. Or instead of Silver Bells, you could have <laughs> Father Brown. Yep. Father Brown, there's been a death in the village. In the village. Yeah, see? Yep. Or one more example, instead of God rest ye merry gentlemen, it could be, Oh, come Shakespeare and Hathaway, a victim has been found, stabbed or shot or strangled or maybe even drowned. See? Nice. So So we're going to record a medley of these songs. Yes. You send them. We'll record them. We'll even give you credit for it on screen. These Uh, awful lyrics sent in by Mabel from (laughs) Oklahoma, you know? So So you have until the 15th of December to send these babies in. Yes. So get cranking. Get cranking. If you come up with more than one, feel free to send it to us. And the listener's choice options will be available in the newsletter on the 7th of December 1st. The 7th of December Comma first. Mm-hmm. Not they will they will first be available yes. to vote on in the <laughs> newsletter that comes out on the seventh of December. But then the next day they'll be available to everyone. And all the socials no. and every place else. All the crazy socials. I Oh my gosh. We sold a bunch of stuff on Black Thursday uh, Black Friday. Awesome. At the store. More money 30, for charity. It was thirty five percent off and you guys delivered. Great. Absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad. Yep. Other news. There are a million other shows in December. Yes. Okay. Okay. In the first week of December, we get the Midsummer Murders 25th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. You should watch that. We're all going to watch it. If you get it. Might yeah. do a little reel on it. Yeah. 
you know, we'll talk a little bit about it. But it's, it's going to be a clip show with interviews yeah. from people, which we love. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Wistable Pearl, Three Prines, and Slow Horses all start the same week. <laughs> Woohoo! We just finished watching Magpie Murders. That was really fun. That came out here on PBS Masterpiece, yeah. um, based on Anthony Horowitz's book. That was really fun. We also watched Enola Holmes 2. Yep. That was fun. If you like Sherlock Holmes, I think you'll like Enola Holmes. If you haven't seen the first one, you should watch it first. And we mentioned that we were watching Devil's Hour, but we finished it also. Mm -hmm. We did. And I don't know if I would categorize that as a mystery. It's kind of sci-fi, really. That's how it turned out anyway. It's weird. It's weird. We Um, finished uh, 1899, and that was weird. That was also weird. Well, we expected that to be weird. Yes. We also got news that Ashley Jensen will be taking over as the main detective on Shetland. That's right. Agatha Raisin is going to be on Shetland. So this means two things. One, Agatha Raisin is pretty much done. I think we knew that already. I think we can assume that. And then the second thing is Agatha Raisin's going to be on Shetland. It's it's she's I I believe she has it in her, but it's going to be a stretch. Well, you have to have watched Ashley Jensen and things other than Agatha Raisin mm-hmm. to see. Like she was in extras and in extras she was like boiler suit, raggedy hair all the time. She does not have to be glamorous. Yeah. She's a good enough actress that she doesn't have to just play that part. Yeah. I don't think she's going to be Agatha Raisin on Shetland. Those heels and those craggy landscapes do not go together. Well, and Tosh. Tosh would be like, no. Yeah. Get out of here, fancy lady. Please. I'm going to go put my braces back on. And we love Tosh. Hopefully we have Tosh more. More Tosh. Yeah. They couldn't get rid of Tosh. No. If they got rid of her, it wouldn't be Shetland anymore. No. Like, it would just be Agatha Raisin and, what's his name, Sandy? Yes. (laughs) And the old guy that looks like me. Yes. (laughs) I love him, too. The sergeant. Yeah. The desk sergeant. Are we ready to talk about Jonathan Creek? Yes. Episode five. No trace of Tracy. There is no trace of Tracy. Before we dive into the episode, We're where gonna, is it on the Gorometer? Turn on the Gorometer. I'm going to put it at rolling pin. Yeah. On the like, oops side. It's kind of on the oops side. We, we only have one death and it's not a murder. It's accidental. It's accidental. And Tracy, spoiler, isn't dead. Yeah. So I'm going to put it there. Sounds You agree? Good. Yep. We begin... In 1979, at the Reading Festival. <laughs> Which is a real thing, right? Oh, yeah. So the Reading Festival is a huge festival. It happens, an, an, like, so Glastonbury is a huge festival. Reading's a huge festival. Isle of uh, White is another festival. They, they kind of roll together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in England during the summer. Yeah. In England, it is really the summer thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And this Reading is actually a really important Reading, too. So this happened in 1979 in August. Yeah, so who actually played? Because Edwin Drood, the band from this episode, was not there. Yes. Who was actually there? Okay, so it's three days. Um, the first day was, it was entitled... The New Wave Day. Okay. The 24th of August. Okay. Okay. Starts with Motorhead, Bite the Pillow, The Jags, Punishment of Luxury, 
Doll by Doll, and then the last two bands on the first night were The Cure and then The Police. Okay, so I know Motorhead, The Cure, and The Police. The yep. rest of those sound like made-up band names to me. I can understand that. <laughs> but, wow, The Cure, then The Police? Yeah. That would have been awesome. They were like the young kids opening up the festival. Yeah. The second day had Cheap Trick... Inner Circle, Steve Hackett, and Thin Lizzy. I've heard of Thin Lizzy and Cheap Trick. Okay. Cheap Trick it was like... I want you to want me. That, that, that is that tour. I need you to need me. Yep. It is that exact tour. Okay. And to round out, the Sunday night show was crazy because it had not only... Well, the Ramones were supposed to play, but they didn't come. Okay. So the Ramones were supposed to play Molly Hatchet... Wild Horses, Climax Blues Band, in addition, some original members of Deep Purple played with Whitesnake. What? So David Coverdale was in Deep Purple. I didn't know that. Yes. The lead singer of Whitesnake was in Deep Purple? Yes. Does he only do color bands? (laughs) I guess. Is he in Yellow Jacket now? (laughs) David Coverdale was joined on stage with some of the people from Deep Purple as Whitesnake. Cool. Yep. And then Peter Gabriel. And Peter Gabriel started with Biko. I don't know that song. uh, Just an emotional roller coaster of a song about Stephen Biko, a apartheid uh, activist who was killed by the police and ended with The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which is Genesis's biggest hit. Wow. One of the first biggest moments of him playing Salisbury Hill. Everybody, it was a huge hit because of this. Psst, if you guys didn't. Is a music nerd. So I'm surprised you didn't know all of that off your head. All of those bands. <laughs> all of those bands. And then the electric fiddle of Edwin Drood. <laughs> three days. Three days. That's all of awesome. those bands, plus more, plus yeah. tons of British bands like the Cobblers that I have no idea who, who they are, right? And <laughs> speedometers. All those bands. How much? Twenty dollars. Ten ninety-five pounds. Wow. Ten pounds ninety-five pence got you three days of that music. So that must have got you a camping spot too. It probably got you a camping spot. I found a website that had pictures of people who had gone to that festival. Yeah. Like real candid pictures. It was a wild time. <laughs> So the band in this episode, Edwin Drood, is supposed to have been one of the headliners, too, with Roy Pilgrim on, uh, on my notes say, Electric Pilgrim. He was playing Electric Fiddle. Electric Fiddle. So Sarah asked me if there was any other band that had uh, an Electric electric Fiddle fiddle as a lead instrument. Um, There was, but obviously this is a... Jethro Tull, Uriah Heap mashup. Mm-hmm. Because Jethro Tull is um, famous for having a flautist. A, f- a flute as the lead instrument. Flute as the lead instrument. But there is a Canadian band called FM in which a individual who is performed in bandages like a mummy named Nash the Slash wow. played electric fiddle. A guy dressed like a mummy played an electric fiddle? That is such a weird combo. In a top hat. <laughs> See, that's that makes me think that Slipknot saw them and went, ooh. Oh, Nash the Slash, if you do a search on him, that that's Slipknot. <laughs> like, but, you're like, whoa. But with a fiddle. But with a fiddle. <laughs> 
Well, Roy Pilgrim was clearly like a hot tamale back then, right? I mean, Tracy has life-size posters of him on her wall. And the set dressers did such a good job with those. Because the actor who plays Roy Pilgrim, Ralph Brown, is not, you know, he's not one of those guys who looks like he hasn't aged since 1979. He's clearly aged, but they did a good job with the hair and the clothes and, you know, dressing him up as if he was in 1979 and taking those photos. Yeah. Um, And the performance. I did check also. Marshall stacks were available then, so they could have had those amplifiers. They aren't anachronistic amplifiers. All the, I think one of the guitars is anachronistic, but it's picky to say that. Yeah, I think so. So Tracy is clearly really into this band. She's written all these fan letters to Roy and thinks that she's gotten one back from him, inviting her to his house. I, for some reason, and I don't know why, thought she was his daughter. Yeah, I I think there's a similar plot in another show. I think so. Where it's... The daughter, well, and you might be also thinking of the Axeman Cometh on Midsummer too, yeah. where there's a young girl traveling with a band and it's because she's his daughter. So that might be a, a mashup to you. I did look up the full episode notes for this, not the shortened version that we yes. got. Yep. Um, and that is not the plot that got left out. So, also, if you want a little more about Marshall Stacks, as they are used as a murder weapon in Midsummer, yes. <laughs> Midsummer, not Midsummer Rhapsody, but the Ballad of Midsummer County. Yes, that episode. They get knocked over on top of a guy and kill him. Yes. <laughs> oh boy! Wow, we're thirty seconds into this. I know. Episode. I know. I know. So Roy has a Coke machine door on his back porch. Yeah, so it's of. just the door of an old Coke machine leaning up against the wall. No. Oh. We haven't even got to the part where Evan Drood is the name of the unfinished. Edwin Char- Drood is the unfinished Charles Dickens novel. And his house is Bleak House. Yes. But that's the only. D- Those are the two Dickens, Dickens references. references and, and, that's it. and it's not referred to in the show at all. No. So we're going to skip it. For now that's too. it. That's all you can say. Yep. That's it. Um, it's not like he's got Tiny Tim living in the house or anything. That would be really weird. <laughs> Though, you know, we don't know because we only ever see one room of Roy's house. No, we see one room, but then when his girlfriend goes through... Oh, that's right. We see it from the front door. Yes. Because we only ever see the one room by the back door. Would you put your meditation room right inside your back door? Uh, Well, my meditation room here isn't near the back door. I don't think I would want an outside door in my meditation room. No. I mean, not... The main back door, like if there was, you know, garden doors on the side of the house or whatever, maybe, but. And dear listeners, I I inflicted, I remember doing this, probably 20 minutes on Sarah about speaker placement (laughs) when we originally saw this episode. Never mind that those cats are not good speakers. They have like tiny car speakers in their chests. No, no. I don't think they would work very well. So we're going to skip all that and say (laughs) they would be bad speakers. And also, like, I guess they're wireless. This brand new technology. Yeah, they're wireless. So he gets conked on the head. It's supposed to look like there's been a break in. And he wakes up handcuffed to a radiator and stays there for 20 hours. Yeah, I'd be in the corner. So many times. (laughs) Yeah. 
Never mm-hmm. mind. The first thing I would say is, oh, my gosh, uncuff me right now. It wouldn't be the white room anymore. Instead, they <laughs> <laughs> instead they sit there and, like, talk to him and leave him cuffed for, like, 20 minutes when I'm, they show up. But it's like, I was screaming, dude, you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> he's he's desperately got to go to the bathroom, and he's got to be so thirsty. 20 hours is a long time to go without anything to drink. You'd be so dehydrated. They do a cool diegetic sound here thing diegetic sound yes so the theme music is being played to us and then it switches to being played for him yeah because it's on his headphones the characters can hear it because his diegetic his walkman is also an am fm radio apparently uh okay some walkmans in fact the one i had was an am fm radio did wouldn't it need an antenna no you were the antenna Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I want to be a human antenna. It was It's a feature, 90s. not a bug. Yeah, I so guess. So the only thing he sees in all that time is the toad. The frog. The frog. Yep. They call it a toad, but it's, it's, a frog. it's a frog. Boy, the 90s are a different time. Seeing those boys yeah, cat calling her. Yeah, let's talk about those boys. And I was like, wow. Would they do that now? I hope not. So there's a bunch of obviously private school boys waiting for the bus. First of all, why are they waiting for a bus at 4 p.m.? I'm assuming to go home, which means there must be a school like across the street. I guess. I guess. And the bus driver beeps his horn at him. Yeah. But yeah, they don't just, I mean, they don't really like go, hey, baby, or anything well, like they that. they might as well. But they do watch her go by and they definitely watcher from the gate yeah did you see his blue chairs on his deck yeah they were nice they look almost like eames chairs and they should not be outside no they shouldn't be outside they were leather uh with his coke machine door yes his fiance francine francine faraday yes that's quite the name played by geraldine alexander who we've seen uh she was in the plumber's relish episode yes midsummer she's been in she was in the poirot where there was all the screaming his, which which is part? it a poirot uh oh no maybe it's a sherlock holmes where her husband is is dying and she sees the girl in the tree and she's just hysterical the whole episode oh that's a poirot poirot um <laughs> but she's very good at playing the big city short hair suit investment banker uptight lady in this what i don't like about this and about her is she looks so guilty at the end. Yeah. And we're never given a payoff that she is looking for something. She's obviously looking for something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. When we get there, I have a theory about that. And then she comes off scot-free. I think I know what she's looking for. We can talk about it when we get there. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the main characters. Okay. Maddie and Jonathan here. Who are on a blind date with Mr. Bicep and another lady. Well, they're not on a blind date. No. What they're doing is they are on a trivia scavenger hunt. But we don't know that. We don't see that in our version of the episode, but in a longer cut, that's what they're doing, which is kind of an impressive thing to be doing. Like, who set that up? I mean, it's one thing to have a quiz in the pub, but another thing to have, like... Uh, cross-country puzzles. I got to tell you, if we ever go to England to live, you people are on notice. We expect (laughs) these things. 
I, I thought that maybe a brewery might have done it. So like you go from pub to pub solving a puzzle and then that leads you to that another makes pub. Sense. But that's kind of an invitation to drunk driving. So that, I didn't think they would do that. That also is an invitation <laughs> yes. to drunk driving. <laughs> but they're with Maddie's best friend, Sheena. Yes. Who and her meathead who hardly says anything. We hate her immediately. She's annoying. She keeps calling Jonathan Abracadabra, apparently, and yep. saying, have you shown her your magic wand? But she grows on me. Yep. By the I, end of the episode, I kind of like her. I kind of like her more than Maddie. But well, that's <laughs> not hard to do. Yep. She also is a fan of Percy Sledge. Did Percy Sledge need some money? I don't know. She and Maddie like Percy and Otis Redding. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know. I... I mean, those are oldies to me. I don't know. Yes. I'm familiar with them, of course. But So they see Roy and Francine arguing. Yes. And her... Purely quinky dink. Her dumping him. Yeah. Because... Now, in the full-length episode, it's not quite a quinky dink because Francine runs them off the road first. It, it makes sense that they that she is upset with him. This 16-year-old girl is supposed to come and see him. Yeah. He, she's disappeared and she comes in to find him, uh, handcuffed, handcuffed to the radiator radiator. Now like, there's nothing kinky about being handcuffed to a radiator in your jogging suit. No, but if he was naked handcuffed to the bed, I'd be way more suspicious, but his story is very unlikely, which is the whole point. And anyone I have would a be going, she Roy. knows quite a bit about his history. Yeah. So she's like, you're clearly up to something. You're not telling me the truth. Yep. And she dumps his butt. And she, he carefully picks up the ring, mm-hmm. which Jonathan is like, something is up here. Yes. <laughs> so Jonathan is like his number one fan that doesn't recognize him here. She, he does. Jonathan recognizes him. Oh, that's right. Him. He does. He does. Nobody right. else does. Yeah, that's right. I think him picking up the ring says a couple of things. One, it says she actually is important to me and this ring is important to me and maybe I'll be able to give it to her again. Like maybe he does actually love her. Yeah. But two, he probably bought her a pretty good ring. He's not poor. No. He gets all the royalties from all the Edwin Drood music, apparently. So he's well off. But it is awfully convenient that in their argument, they basically summarize exactly what's happened. Yeah. I found you chain cuffed, you know, handcuffed to a radiator of the 16-year-old girl missing in your house, and you claim you didn't see her. And like, okay, did you really have to say all of that in front of everybody outside? We also find out that there's a cult nearby that yes. Roy is supporting called Creed of Eden. Yes. Who are building an ark. Yes. But they are clearly not vegans. No. Or vegetarians. No. They raise pigs, and their leader, Jacob, walks around in a big fur coat. Yeah. Even when he's hanging from trees. Yes. He's wearing a big fur coat. But they do have special feelings about trees. It's a bit over the top. Erotic. <laughs> yeah, if you want to say. What does Jonathan say? I've never seen somebody get that intimate with a knot hole before or something yeah. like that. <laughs> wow. It just seems I like. I think you get a rash. <laughs> At least. How do you explain that to the doctor? Where'd you get this rash? Well, <laughs> there was this elm and it was looking at me, you know, <laughs> giving me the eye. <laughs> so there's a newspaper in which tells the story also. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan reads it and I'm enamored by the newspaper because in the second paragraph, it starts talking about European court stuff. It's yeah. Just is, they wrote one paragraph yeah. about Roy and then they just used... 
filler. Then there's a clever John Majors pun. I'm I'm sorry, England. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to spend so many years with John Majors as your prime minister and must have heard like whether or not you're conservative or liberal or 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 labor, it doesn't matter. You must have heard every major pun. Yes. Ever. Yes. <laughs> in that time period. But then I'm like, why does Jonathan run his windmill? Because it's running at this point. I, it's not so much running as he's allowing it to spin with the wind, right? So, Which can't be doing anything productive as a result because he's not grinding grain or anything. No, but but at other times it's not running. And then I'm like, if we lived in a windmill, would we let it run? I was just off Okay, on but the you're windmill. saying let it run. What, all you're saying is that he's allowing the wind to let it turn, to turn it. I would assume that there's a break. And when it's not windy, it can't turn. Yes, and I imagine when it is windy, you also maybe want to turn it off when it's too windy. Right, but if it's, it's just windy enough, you could just let it turn. I also think it probably makes an enormous amount of noise. Yes, creaking noise. Yeah. A creaking, maybe screaming noise. Yes. And somewhere inside that tower, something is turning as a result of it. If it's even if it's just like a post that goes down through the windmill, it yeah. would be turning with something. It. Yeah. But also, not allowing it to turn might be really bad for it if there's wind. Maybe maybe, maybe you want to let it. I don't know. I haven't lived in. Do a wind. you live in a windmill? I do. Do you not. know the answer to these no. questions? Oh. Send us an email and Please let us know. Mysterymaniacspodcast at gmail.com. Maddie goes to interview. Roy, mm -hmm. and there's the great scene where she's with the cops and they think she's his legal advisor. Yeah. And he thinks she's, she's with, with the him. cops. And she thinks it's appropriate to drink a juice box. Uh, <laughs> why is she drinking a juice box? A Ribena juice box. <laughs> Just. I love that she hands it to the cop and he helps her and gives it back to her yeah. like it's nothing, like... Whatever. I, probably because he's thinking, wow, she's an annoying lawyer, but whatever. <laughs> did you see the giant goat head over the door? Over the front door, the yeah. skull? Yeah. I think it's a cow skull. Yeah. It, it had big like horns. Like a steer skull. Yeah. It yeah. Had giant horns, too. What I, my favorite thing in his house is the clear plastic or glass, uh, um, record player. Yes. The turntable. Yes. I found one of those online. Okay. 1200 bucks. Yeah. They're can, super nice turntable. You can buy a clear plastic turntable. I don't know why you'd want one, but with the uplighting, it's kind of weird it looking. Fits your room, I guess. Your contemplation room. Maybe. He's got a whole house. He hangs out in one room. Yes. Jonathan goes over to Maddie's for dinner. Yeah. What do you make of that? catastrophe okay i've said this before on the podcast and i apologize again my mother is not the best cook right i have witnessed situations like this <laughs> in my own kitchen but your mom's not careless like that no you can't light things on fire if you boil everything the amount of fire <laughs> and the fact that she has gas in her apartment bothers me immensely <laughs> Yeah, some people see Jonathan as really uptight, but I don't see him as uptight at all. No, he shouldn't be. He, he might he, be kind of reserved and introverted, but he's not uptight. This should bother him. If he, if he was really <laughs> uptight, he wouldn't eat right. what she gave yeah. him. It's Cajun. No, it's burned. <laughs> She's like, don't scrape that off. It's supposed to be like that. Why he even 
agrees to go to her house to eat. I don't I, know. Maybe because he's seen her eat in public and he's trying he to needs, spare other he people. He needs <laughs> to learn the code. The code is let's go out for dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to put you to the trouble of making you cook. Yeah. Wow. I can't go to meet Roy Pilgrim. I'm standing in the white room. Yes. So that's a reference actually to the Beatles. So there's a room in the Beatles Museum in Liverpool of a white room supposedly from John Lennon's mat mansion. Mm. Where that they've wrote, recreated? Where he wrote Imagine on that piano. They have the piano there and everything. See, when I hear White Room, I think of a deep purple song. I no, think it it's is. Cream. Cream. The In white a room. White Room with... Black curtains. At the station, whatever. Yes. That's Clapton, isn't it? That Clapton is singing Ginger Baker and another guy. You're such a nerd! 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 Yep. Nerd! Nerd! Yep. I do like that the cultists are American. Okay, before we get to the cultists of America, <laughs> okay. we have to talk about the Waltons and the weird thing that I ended up dealing with because of the Waltons. And so the Waltons reference, if you don't remember, is that Roy breaks off from a conversation with Jonathan and Maddie in his house and says, oh, it's time for me to record the Waltons. I'll be right back. And Jonathan is like, what? You know, his his hero, this musical genius in leather pants, likes the Waltons. <laughs> what rabbit hole did you fall down oh, with the Waltons? Okay. <laughs> Good night, John boy. So just for the heck of it, I researched whether or not the Waltons had been on in England at this point in time. Okay. And they would have been in syndication. Yes. Right. The the Waltons started from a Christmas special in 1971 mm-hmm. that became a series. Mm-hmm. This is a very popular CBS series in the United States that was set during the Depression and the beginning of the Second World War. Yeah. Right? Of a family that lived in Appalachia. On a farm. On a farm. Yeah. I identified with the main character who wanted to leave the farm and go right in the big city. John Boy? Yes. You you get some hints here. And actually, I was thinking about it, that the Waltons, like, even when I was watching the Waltons, I may have been like five or six. I wanted to figure out how the telephone network worked. So even then, I was interested in media and technology. Even then, you were a nerd. Even then, I was a nerd. Okay, so it was it was being aired in syndication in the UK at this time. So it's realistic that he could be recording it from TV. So then I caught some references to the Waltons being referenced by George Bush. Okay. Okay, so during the 1990 presidential campaign, so this is George Bush versus... Uh, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. he mentioned the Waltons. Okay. And I thought it was weird because in the same sentence, he mentions the Simpsons. What? So George Bush says, we want to bring back family values mm-hmm. to be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. Oh. Now, this is 1990, at the very beginning of the Simpsons popularity and the height of that Simpsons popularity. Yeah. And- I would say that he lost a lot of voter retention with that because a lot of people watch The Simpsons and think, that's a lot like my family Mm -hmm. compared to The Waltons. Yeah. A show from 20 years ago. Yeah. Right? It was already, it was, The Waltons wasn't cool when it was on. Right. (laughs) Let alone 20 years later. So then, oh my gosh, I went down the rabbit hole of the Bushes versus the Bushes and the Waltons versus the Simpsons. (laughs) 
Because I'm sure the Simpsons didn't leave that alone, right? They were probably back in the writer's room figuring out how they could make fun of George Bush right away. That's the end of it. (laughs) Okay, give us the abbreviated version of this story. In a People Magazine article uh, released on October 4th, 1990, called In the Eye of the Storm, Barbara Bush was interviewed. Mm Mm-hmm. And when she was interviewed, she said the following. She loves America's Funniest Home Videos, but remains baffled after sampling The Simpsons. It's the dumbest thing I had ever seen, but it's a family thing, so I guess it's clean. Okay. Well, the the writers on The Simpsons are pretty savvy dudes. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> The writer of The Simpsons and the creator, Brooks, wrote a letter to Barbara Bush as Marge Simpson. Okay. (laughs) Dear First Lady, I recently read the criticism of my family and I was deeply hurt. Heaven knows we're far from perfect. And if the truth be known, maybe just a wee bit short of normal. But as Dr. Seuss says, a person is a person. Wow. I try to teach my children, Bart, Lisa, and even little Maggie, always give somebody the benefit of the doubt and don't talk badly about them, even if you're rich. Even if they're rich. It's hard to get them to understand that this advice when the first lady of the country calls us not only dumb, but the dumbest thing she's ever saw. Ma'am, if you if we're the dumbest thing you've ever saw, Washington must not be a big good deal different than what is taught to me at the current events group in church. Wow, that is a shot right across the bow. Slam! She goes on to say, I have always believed in my heart that we had a great deal in common, each of of us living lives uh, to serve an exceptional man. I hope there's some way out of this controversy. I thought perhaps it would be good to start and to just speak my mind. Go Marge! With great respect, <laughs> Marge Simpson. <laughs> Go, Marge. <laughs> now, this goes off to the, the White House mm-hmm. in a regular letter. Yeah. Brooke doesn't think he's ever going to hear again. Right. They go to the mailroom and get lost, whatever. People wouldn't recognize what it's supposed to be and nothing, right? Three days later. Choo! It is, Dear Marge, how kind of you to write. Now Barbara Bush is writing a cartoon character. Yes. Okay, (laughs) let's just get that straight. I'm glad you spoke your mind. I foolishly didn't know you had one. Whoa! Whoa! (laughs) Ouch, Barbara! I'm looking at a picture of you depicted on a plastic cup with your blue hair filled with pink birds pecking out Uh, peeking out all over. Evidently, you and your charming family, Lisa, Homer, Bart, and Maggie, are camping out. It's a nice family scene. Clearly, you are setting a good example for the rest of the country. Please forgive my loose tongue. Signed. I thought she was going to call her a bird brain for a second. (laughs) Warmly, Barbara Bush. (laughs) P.S. Are you ready for this? Uh Uh-huh. P.S. She says... Homer looks like a handsome fella. (laughs) He's in his tidy whities half the time. (laughs) Ten days later, Bush says the thing that he says 
And he's then he says the Walton Simpson thing. Then he says the Walton Simpson thing. And on the next episode of The Simpsons that they can get in the can, the the Simpsons are sitting at the TV watching the Bush uh, speech. And Bart turns and looks at the camera and says, we're just like everybody else. We want the depression to end. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. That's funny because The Simpsons came up in my research, too, about toad licking. (laughs) There's an episode where Homer licks a toad, apparently. (laughs) I haven't seen The Simpsons in a long time. Wow, that's awesome. The Bushes appeared with their voices in a 96 episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. They learned their lesson, I think. I think they probably learned their lesson. It was kind of a send-up to Dennis the Menace where Bart caused the bushes all sorts of problems yeah well i think that you know the whole mention in the jonathan creek episode is to say you know maybe don't meet your heroes right like roy pilgrim is not who jonathan might think he is he's an actual human being and he likes things like the waltons you know who knew a guy who played the electric fiddle would like the The Waltons. waltons yeah Have you ever met somebody that you would consider one of your heroes? I met a bunch of my musical heroes like uh, Bob Mould and uh, Billy Bragg and Bjork, who all seemed to be very nice. They didn't do anything that surprised you? They they all seemed to be warm, charismatic people. Now, I met them in a setting of entertainment, so, you know, they might not be that way all the time, but they were certainly that way to me. Well, and Roy's not rude by any means. He just isn't, I guess, as hardcore or something as Jonathan might have thought he was. Margaret Atwood, I talked to her on the phone. She was super nice. You know, I talked to lots of people. They were all seemed to be super nice people. My biggest brush with celebrity... Uh, you had no idea this episode was going there. We just did Waltons and Simpsons, and now we're going Star Wars. It, um, yeah, I'm still kind of scarred by it, actually. <laughs> so let's talk about Don't Meet Your Heroes. Um, so a job that I was in, a friend of mine, her husband was a commercial director. He directed commercials, and they were directing a commercial at a nearby grocery store for this this chain of restaurants called a chain of grocery stores called Marsh. Yep. And at the time, I don't know why, but they had like a star Wars thing. And so they had brought Mark Hamill to Indianapolis to film this commercial where he was supposed to use the force to move groceries over the scanner, the beep scanner, you know, at the register. And so her husband called and he said, if you come, if you two come over right now, you can meet Mark Hamill. And we were like, yeah. We like dropped everything we were doing. We were both editors at the time. We dropped everything we were doing at the book publishing company and drove at lightning speed to this marsh to meet him. And we get there and her husband says, he's in his trailer. We're resetting before we do a couple more takes. Um, I've told him that you're coming. So you guys can just go in. He might be with wardrobe, but when he's done, he'll talk to you. And we're like, yeah, awesome. Woo, you know, so we go in the trailer and basically sit down kind of in the, like the dining room area. You know, there's always like a little table with a booth around it. Um, And we, we can hear that there are people in the back, like in what would be the bedroom area. And so we just sit there and wait and an, an assistant comes out and she says, oh, are you, you know, because they were expecting us. Yep. And we say yes. And she's like, Mark will be right with you. He, he'll, he, you know, he's right. He's just changing. He'll be right out. Yep. And we're like, okay. So, so 
so excited. I'm going to meet Luke Skywalker, right? Yep. And he knows we're waiting. Yep. He comes out and he's got on a robe, okay? But a robe that that ends like mid-thigh. Yep. Okay? And it's not closed. Nope. And underneath it, he's wearing a pair of boxer shorts. Now, not boxer briefs, boxer shorts. Now, I'm going to I'm going to warn the audience. Mark Hamill does nothing wrong. No, 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 no. It's a matter of taste. Yes. Not legality. Yes. But the boxer shorts he's wearing are those old man, super thin cotton stripey yeah. <laughs> ones. You know, the white ones that don't have any buttons on the fly or anything. Yep. They're like barely held together with some elastic. Yep. But he is so cordial. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. Your husband is doing such a great job on the commercial. And I mean, I love working with him and he meets me and he asks me all these questions about, you know, what do we do and what kind of books do we edit? And, you know, do we want anything signed? And um, we each had something for him to sign and he was super gracious. And then it got kind of weird because he was like, well, I have some time to kill until I, I think they're going to feed me lunch and then we're going to do a couple more shoots. Um, so don't, don't cause we were like getting ready to get up and leave. And he's like, oh no, you don't have to go. We can hang out. Just have a seat. I mean, do you want something to drink or whatever? And we're like, no, no, we're fine. Whatever. And uh, it got kind of quiet. And I think he kind of felt like it was kind of weird. Yeah. And so he, he was like, well, let me tell you a joke. <laughs> and we're like, okay, Mark Hamill's going to tell us a joke. And then he told us the joke about the guy and the girl who go to the movies. And the punchline is basically that this guy puts his private part into a bucket of popcorn so yes. she'll touch it. Okay, yes. that's the punchline. Yes. And that's the joke he tells us while he's sitting there in boxer shorts that don't really cover him <laughs> and a little robe that doesn't cover him. And I'm like, oh, his motorcycle accident scars are interesting. I'll just look at those. <laughs> I like the wallpaper in your trailer. Uh, it was really weird. And then my friend's husband poked his head in and went, okay, we're going to eat. And then we're going to reshoot. And we're like, okay, bye. And like there was smoke behind us. We left so fast. And we get out of the trailer and her husband is like, that was cool, huh? And we're like, yeah, really cool. We got to go back to work now. Bye. And we're like in the car, gone. No Mark Hamels were hurt during the film. He was perfectly kind. Yep. But it was really weird. <laughs> it was really. Those people, they live in bubbles. Yes. And so the, you have situations like that. Yes. Yep. That was Mark Hamill in his underwear <laughs> telling us a dirty joke. Oh. I've not met any of my heroes in their underwear. Keep it that way. Yeah. It's disappointing. So they've got an arc. <laughs> No, they have a picture of an arc. Yeah, they do. Boy. I took a shot of it. It is, I think, a big cardboard painting. I think it's a big cardboard painting. And it might be like a perspective shot too. I think it's a forced perspective, big cardboard painting. So the the arc is closer to the camera than the little actors who are yep. supposed to be working in it. Yeah. Like hammering stuff. It's crazy. No, what is crazy is that we are 40 minutes away from an actual arc. Yes. <laughs> so, people in places other than the U.S., this may come as a surprise to you, but in the state of Kentucky, which is directly south of us, have built a arc. Yeah. Yep. You can go visit it. You can go visit it. It is... I wouldn't recommend it. It is called the Ark Encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is without, a, you know, these people are doing what they're doing. It's controversial. 
Yeah. How big is it? It is, I would say, maybe 200 yards long. So is it as big as the arc in the show is supposed to be? I think so. It's a building. Wow. So it's not a boat. It's a building shaped like a boat? Yes. So it's not seaworthy? No. Okay. Well, mostly because there's dinosaurs in it too. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Good old Kentucky. Wow. Uh, Um, Yeah. So there's some other guys who used to be in the band. One of them changes his entire band while they went out for pizza. What is up? (laughs) I love that. I love it. She... Maddie's talking to MacArthur is his name. He is the rhythm guitar player, Glenn yes. MacArthur, of yes. Edwin Drood. She's talking to him in the sound booth. And meanwhile, behind them, there's an actual fist fight going on, including, I think, his producer's face being smashed into the glass. <laughs> and, like, smearing down it. Any good studio producer would say, take this outside. Yeah. because <laughs> the, They're going to the, wreck something. Yep. But... That is not my favorite visit to a former member of the band. Oh, no, no. We have two. Marty Crow is way better. The old drummer. Drummers are crazy, okay? We know this. He's still performing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Stand up with a puppet in a village community center. Yeah. I love that he rolls his cigarette with the puppet still on his hand. (laughs) I love that. And I love the line, who doesn't want a drummer who urinates on the audience? Uh, me? <laughs> but he acts like they were just crazy for not wanting him to do that. It's audience engagement. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Sheena stays over at the windmill. Yes. In the full length episode, we find out she stayed over because it, it was already raining, but it got really, really bad. Yes. So I think if we had seen the full-length episode, we would know that they hadn't slept together. But in this cut version that that we got to see, it's implied that she stayed over, but we don't know why. So Maddie thinks when she finds out, she thinks maybe they slept together. You but don't they think didn't. they slept together? No. Oh, they did the nasty. I don't think they oh, did. Oh, they did. You think he's lying when he tells Maddie he wouldn't touch her with a 10-foot pole? I don't know. I... He'd rather have hot pokers in his eyes. I I believe him. I don't think they did. No, I think they probably slept together. Listeners, do you think that Jonathan and Sheena had sex? I don't (laughs) think they did. Of all the things. This is not going to become a t-shirt, by the way. (laughs) It's not going to be the Jonathan Sheena conspiracy. No. But I like the conversation they have. Like She's clearly more intelligent than we first thought when they're talking. Now, her theory about the crime is not realistic, but... She's she's engaging. I like her. Did you know Matt, notice Maddie's aerial? No. It's a heart. On her car? Yes. Like it's bent into a heart shape? Yes. Okay. Also, we still don't know if Jonathan could drive or not, because now that I'm on the case, he does not drive in this episode. I don't think he can. I don't think he can either. He, he strikes me as the kind of guy who wouldn't bother to learn. Yeah. Because he's got a bike. Yeah. He just rides his bike. Roy gets arrested, and then... Because... Fra- the hippie's son is killed. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about Toby and the frog. Yes. Well, you want to talk about best corpse. Yeah. Toby. Not only is he the only one. Yes. But he's really good. And he's got a frog in his mouth that is clearly not the best corpse. <laughs> no, but that's really his mouth. That's really his mouth. With the, the light in it the, and the big tweezers. Yep. That dude stood still. His name is James DeGazio. He he deserves the credit yep. for not only being an awesome, like, 
dead like a bug corpse with his eyes wide open. Yep. But he sits still while they put tweezers in his mouth and pretend yeah. to pull a dead he frog out of his mouth. He doesn't gag or anything. Now, there's a... Um, He's I'm, not the most important person in that scene, though. No, no, no. Because the medic yes. that's there, not the cop who has that's the tweezers, the, like, the medic with the fabulous mustache, mustache, that is Sandy Johnson, who is also the director of Jonathan Creek. He directed the last three or four episodes of the first season. Yes. He directed this episode and then apparently stood in to be a medic for a second with his fabulous mustache. So Toby really died of an overdose. Yeah. Which can happen when you suck a toad. Or he suffocated. Yes. That's true. It might have slipped down in his throat and suffocated. Though it's a pretty small toad. I think you could swallow it. It's a wee toad. And they're slimy. Yes. It's a wee slimy toad. You could you could try to swallow it. It's a wee slimy frog. But you know, people really do that. They do. And not just lick them. They actually put them in their mouth and suck them. They do. Because the pressure that you can create makes those little glands on their backs ooze the psychedelics. Being like cane toads are, are endangered because people are always sucking them. The Ananasi River toad. It's not real. It's not real. But you can easily OD yeah. on a toad. Kids. Don't suck toads. Don't Don't lick them. Don't suck them. Don't squeeze them into a jar and drink it. Nope. It's all bad news. It's all bad news. I guess there are legal ways for you to get high now. I guess, though, where places like Texas, where they have cane toads, there's a real problem with dogs licking them. Yeah, I would say. Like they kind of get addicted to licking toads. I know our dog would. (laughs) I feel like the toad would would run. Like it would try to get away. I would think so. Mm. Who did that first? I don't know. Were they already on drugs? Like, wouldn't you have to be to think, look at that nasty thing. I think I'll lick it. Yeah. It's all covered in warts. Looks so suckable. (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. It can't taste good either. Like, just have some beer. So the girlfriend goes to the house. Francine. Super guilty. Yeah, she looks like she's there to try to like get some evidence behind the cop's back. Yep. But she's really just trying to get her stuff. But you're right. She looks absolutely guilty, which is what she's supposed to look like. Yes. But she's not in on it. No. She's not in on the denouement. No. Right? The I've brought you all here scene. I love the cop who's like, oh, just tell them. (laughs) Yeah. He's very good. I like him. He's the one who put the straw in the juice box, too. Yeah. So what clues other than the speakers and the sun fading on the speakers does jonathan have to know that this is how it was accomplished that there was a dummy room built well basically what i'm asking is is it possible for us to have figured it out with him do we know everything we need to know the thing we don't know but we can assume is that he fell asleep at some point yeah because we see him wake up that is the only thing that we're not given that we couldn't have figured this out Well, okay. So we know the speakers were moved. Yep. We know the toad doesn't belong there. And we know those frogs are at the farm. Yes. Right? Because Toby chokes on one. It was the same kind of frog. Yeah. So we have those two clues. And then they build things. And we know they build things because they're building the ark. Yeah. Are those the only clues that Jonathan has? And from that? I would say, okay. So this is the way that Jonathan's mind would work this out. Both these stories appear to not be true, but what if they are both true? That she actually did go in the door 
and he did not see somebody come in. And if that's true, how could that be true? How that could that be true is if they were at different locations. The doors are not the same. So door. now you're like, okay, well, how could they move him to a different location? Yeah. How could they be different doors? They can't because, move the house because the the schoolboy saw her go in that right. house. So either the house has a false door. Yeah. That doesn't lead to that room. Or Roy was in a different room. Yeah. And he assumes that it's a different room and knows where it is based on the frog. I remember the first time we saw this, I was like, what? How could they do this? I was like completely flabbergasted. And then it was explained. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's, so, the, whole, that's the whole trope, right? Is so, that magic is only incredible until you know how it happened. So I think Jonathan could have figured this out. I do too. And I think... We potentially could have figured it out that he doesn't have a lot of information that we don't have. Yeah. That would clinch it. Yeah. Now, here's the biggest question that I have. Is this a likely way for the cultists to have done this? No. Like if their goal was to get rid of Francine and not get Roy in trouble, right? Roy can't get in trouble. There is an easier way to do this, okay? Mm-hmm. They're a cult with tree-loving, nubile women all over the place. Mm-hmm. Send one of those nubile women to either successfully seduce Roy, Roy or try to seduce or Roy appear to. and take some pictures. And that's it. That's it. And she's gone and she's he's not gone. going to jail or anything. It's five minutes. They have a lot of women there. Yeah. That they could have sent over. Who are clearly willing to help them commit a crime. They hump because- trees. <laughs> Because a lot of people were involved in this plot. Yeah. A lot of people helped them build the room. Yep. Basically kidnap him, kidnap Tracy, keep her confined. Why are we building this room? Oh, it's an elaborate kidnapping plot. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm down with that. Let me lick another toad. (laughs) (laughs) They would have had to recreate the paintings. Like they're lucky it's a minimal room. Well, that's why it works. Yeah. Because it is a minimal room. Yeah. If it was Baroque, it would be different. (laughs) That would be really hard. Then they would have had to build a completely false front to the house. (sighs) (laughs) Instead. Okay. But if we're going to go by the notion that this is elaborate and overly elaborate. But possible. (laughs) We should stop doing a mystery show. I'm just, I'm just imagining. Especially Jonathan Green. Like in a cartoon, you know, like Roy goes in the back door of his own house and then outside a bunch of, of hippies dragging a complete facade of the house, shuffle in and line it up directly yeah. before Tracy can show up, you know, <laughs> without the schoolboys seeing them do it. Yeah. They've just got this giant, you know, two story brick facade. They just slide into place. Yeah. And has a, a door in it that goes nowhere so they can kidnap Tracy when she walks through. <laughs> Where would they keep it? <laughs> That'd be harder to hide, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they just have a false room in a barn. Yes. Poor Tracy really gets the short end okay. of the stick here. Tracy is treated horrifically. I She's hope, kidnapped for days. I hope Roy like meets her and is kind to her and apologizes to her for being involved in any of this. I, I agree completely, but she's not the worst person. No? It's Tracy's mother. Oh, Tracy's poor mom. She must have been so scared. But she was like, oh, that rock guy? Yeah, go see him. Don't bother wearing a shirt that covers you or anything. Oh, come on. You're the dad of a teenage girl. 
What would you? Sixteen. What would you have done to stop her? Hmm? I would have went with her because. What if she didn't want you to? I would have wanted to meet Roy. (laughs) (laughs) What if she said no? You can't go. I still would have been there, like to take her to make sure she got in the building and came out and waved to me, and then hung around until she was done. Very least, and then waited. (laughs) I'm gonna go to the pub in town when you're done. Call me. On your flip phone. <laughs> wow, we went, we went from in in this episode in this episode they have flip phones, so they they do have cell phones, mm-hmm. in this, but they are like, excuse me, while I use my well, Sheena's Sheena's boyfriend has a brick, yeah, phone, like yeah. it's not even a flip phone. Yeah, he does. Um, so so you you think if Tracy's mom was better, none of this would have happened. Again, I I keep thinking that it was her daughter and it was his daughter. Mm -hmm. So the mother was like, this is their chance to reunite and talk about it. Yeah. So I thought that said what had been discussed in the letters. Oh, and that's why she would let her go. Yeah. But not to go back to Star Wars, but like Luke and Leia, like he's your dad and you need to know that. So don't go kissing him or anything and cover yourself. Yeah. Because you're going to meet your dad. Just so you know, he's not your rock god. He's your dad. Yeah. But that is not the story here. He's not a rock god. He's your dad. (laughs) Don't show him your belly button piercing. He won't like it. He's your father. No. Right out. Back when those things were so controversial and controversial. Yeah. Oh, halcyon days. So who's going to go to jail here? Not Percy Sledge. (laughs) (laughs) Are the so are the flowers going to go to jail for kidnapping Tracy? They should. I think they should too. Yes. The whole commune needs to go to jail because they're either accessories or they did it. Yeah, but they're not going to. Maybe Polly and Jacob are going to go to jail. Polly Flowers, by the way, the the wife of the cult leader, played by Christine Moore, she was in an episode of Midsummer. She was in Bad Tidings. Ah. Um, but they're Americans, so they're born bad. They're just, they're doing very good American accents. They are. They're not American. Nope. They do a good job. Yes. That's no trace of Tracy. Yes. The last Jonathan Creek we're going to cover for now. Yes. I hope that this was an interesting introduction to the show if you'd never seen it before. They all have this kind of impossible scenario plot that I I always find fun. Um, And if you don't like Maddie, know that she's not in it, you know, for every season. Yes. She's in it for a few more seasons. Um, but then she gets replaced twice. Though, so, though I got to tell you, you want to divide a community of people, especially women mystery fans, say, this is my favorite companion of Jonathan Creek. Whoa. Whoa. It's like worse than Doctor Who's companion yeah. controversy. The, everybody hates his wife. Yeah. By the way, Jonathan Creek's wife appears in season six, I yeah. think. Uh, no one likes her. Okay. <laughs> um, but... There's a whole sort of disagreement about the other ones. (laughs) I don't like the way Jonathan just goes like corporate overnight in the later seasons. I don't mind his wife. I think they have an interesting relationship and I like them together. It works okay for me. What I don't like is what he's suddenly become overnight. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, yeah, he needs to grow up or whatever, but it just, 
it, it, it's not um, it's not tied together well enough for me. I it's sad because it's hard to tease out the differences. I like the middle two women better. Oh yeah, because I think the show's written better than yeah. So it's hard to know whether it's the characters or the the plot lines that are better. But you know what? Carolyn Quentin is annoying as Maddie, and she's doing exactly what the character is supposed to be. She's playing her perfectly. She's a great actress. It's not Carolyn Quentin who's annoying. It's Maddie. The character is annoying, and she's supposed to be. Yes. In her own way. Yes. In her light the kitchen on fire, how do you even survive a day way? It's Cajun. (laughs) I'm glad she labeled the can gas. Yes. <laughs> Put it on the stack of napalm in the hallway. <laughs> All right. So that is No Trace of Tracy. The next episode that, that we're we, doing. That we will be covering is season six, episode one of Poirot. Maybe the best British mystery Christmas episode ever. Hercule Poirot's Christmas. I Love it. It. I don't love it as much as I like the Halloween episode. Nope. But it is a very close second in terms of my favorite. First Poirot. of January, nineteen ninety-five is when it was first broadcast. It's agelessly it, awesome. It, it is Jap Simeon. It's just awesome. Just so many good things about it that include diamonds in South Africa. Just oh, stop. So stop much now. Good it's stuff. epic. So yep. until then, you know what you got to do? Get those creative juices rolling. Yes. Send us some holiday lyrics. Just a chorus is fine. You don't have to write a whole song. It can be about any mystery show you like or all of them together. Send them to us. Don't tell. Don't forget to tell us what song it's based on. Email it to mysterymaniacspodcast at gmail.com. Give us a subject line that tells us it's something for the holiday song, lyrics, whatever, so we can find it fast. And maybe your lyrics will end up in our holiday song recording. In addition, we'll do at least one more sale on our, our items in the spreadshirt store mm-hmm. for, for Christmas so that you can get some goodies for your family. And if there are designs that you'd like to see, let me know. I'm always looking for inspiration. Always happy to add stuff. Poirot in Midsummer. Yay! It's We're an insane. awesome Christmas present. <laughs> I was so happy when we heard they were coming out. I was like, oh, that's epic. We have no time. We're going to be so busy, but that's so awesome. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) And yes, again, we know you don't have them yet. I know. And we're sorry. We're sorry. We wish we could do something about it. But we got to cover them. Yeah, we got to. All right. Until then. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. I watched a movie this week. I'm not going to tell you what movie it is because I'm embarrassed that I watched this movie. (laughs) 